You're listening to Table Scraps Live on Pirate Christian Radio. When you say, where do I go? You're suggesting to me that the reign of God, that the place of God is is an individual place that you go? The traditional understanding says that God asks of us something God isn't capable of himself. God asks us to forgive people, but God is incapable of forgiving. Welcome to this edition of Table Scraps Live on Pirate Christian Radio, a production of Table Talk Radio. Our guest for this uh, next hour is Chris Roseboro. He's a host of Fighting for the Faith, uh, captain of Pirate Christian Radio, among many other things. Chris, how are you doing tonight? Doing well, thank you. Uh, great to have you with us. This is a live call-in program, hence the name ty- Table Scraps Live. The call-in number for the next hour is 866 851 5523, or you can send us an email, questions at Table Talk Radio. The topic of discussion tonight is the emergent church, uh, which in which uh, Chris Roseboro is an expert. Is that right, Chris? Yeah, if you can uh, understand how to nail jello to the wall, I guess that makes me an expert. <laughs> That's about what you're dealing with with the emergent church. Again, you can join the conversation, 866-851-5523, or questions at tabletalkradio.org. All right, Chris, uh, you're standing, uh, I don't know, in, in the Starbucks, and there's um, a paper or a magazine there talking about the emergent church. And someone sees that and says, what the heck? What's the emergent church? Someone who has never heard of the emergent church before, what do you tell them in, in explaining the emergent church? It's just a new version of liberalism. It's, it's got some new features, but it's basically modernist liberalism with some new postmodern enhancements, if you would. And as a result of it, it still is a, is a very serious threat to the Orthodox, Orthodox Christian faith. And uh, and it's really um, something that people should avoid, like the plague, unless of course they like diseases. This is a, it's a spiritual disease. Okay, well, what about its theology? Well, let me ask you this question first. You know, in theology, we use these terms: uh, formal principle and material principle. Right. Uh, the the formal principle is where one uh, gets its knowledge, gets its truth. Uh, the, the the foundation of one's theology, and then the material principle is the the heart and center of one's theology. What's the formal principle and the material principle of the emergent church? Okay, now this is a great question because some you got to understand the emergent church is not some uniform theology. It's not. In fact, you could almost say that one of the things that's very interesting about the emergent church is that it has no positive theology. Uh, that you can pin down that uh, that is unique to itself. In fact, you can almost say that the thing that is unique about them is that they refuse to have uh, a standard confession of faith or standard uh, concept of what of what it is that they believe, teach, and confess. They have a plurality. Uh, they believe in a plurality of truth. Now, the one thing that they do have in common, and, and what the emergent church is, is kind of a a confederation of liberalized uh, of liberalized theologies that have been that have joined together with a similar eschatology, and their eschatology is that the earth that we need to join with God to make the world into God's kingdom here on earth, and uh, what that basically amounts to is eradicating poverty, getting rid of war, uh, solving all of the major global problems, and issuing basically instigating. Uh, economic and social justice uh, it, it globally, so that uh, the entire planet becomes, in their the way they think of it, the the visible kingdom of God. And so that's what they that that's the common denominator on all of it. As far as their formal principle is concerned, uh, they're really into speculative theology and this idea that truth can't be understood universally or transcendently. Truth is instead understood and experienced in community. And so. Um, they, you don't really they don't have a, a a formal formal principle except for that uh you don't understand truth uh transcendently you know but instead you understand you experience it in conversation in community and it's almost uh truth is brought down to almost the unique individual level and they they basically think that that's uh they'll tell you that that that's guided by the holy spirit the holy spirit guiding us into all truth the problem is is that uh, your truth and my truth might conflict. They're not relativists, they're pluralists. And so what they'll do is they'll embrace both truths as equally true. And so in some sense, they're irrational in their epistemology. And I think there is a very uh, 
serious uh, strain of irrational theology and philosophy vis-a-vis Nietzsche and uh, the emergent church's uh, renewed version of Nietzsche, which is Peter Rollins. If I walked into uh, a church that calls itself emergent, what would I expect to find? Um, uh, uh, you could you could find artwork. You could find kind of an eclectic uh, hodgepodge of things that uh, that are being put together that uh, no no normal person would stick together. Things that might normally be considered uh, contradictory. Uh, you might experience uh, worship uh, while sitting on a couch, while sitting in the round, uh, with uh, uh, while sitting on or while those couches are sitting on oriental rugs. I mean, there's there there is no standard thing, but these are some of the things that are common that you might experience. And in uh, y- y- what you'll find is a is a concerted effort to not have a top down hierarchical uh, pastoral structure. But instead, uh, that the person who is uh, taking the center of the round is uh, purposely trying to e- elicit conversation and that everybody's viewpoints are all viewed uh, equally, um, unless, of course, you're an Orthodox Christian. But um, it, it, that, you know, that everyone gets a voice and has a, a say in, in the community conversation so that they can individually experience truth. We are talking with Chris Roseboro, host of the radio program Fighting for the Faith and captain of the internet radio station uh, Pirate Christian Radio, of which we're coming to you this Sunday evening. This is a live radio uh, call-in program, so give us a call, 866-851-5523. What have you seen when you've been to a so-called emergent church? Maybe you've uh, decided to come down to, to one of these churches, check it out. What did you find out? Or maybe you've read some of these authors. We want to hear from you, 866-851-5523, or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. Now, Chris, uh, I have some, some clips here. We're going to play a little game here. It's called Name That Emergent Church Pastor. <laughs> so this is, do I get Table Talk Radio points? You if know I, it. We... we uh, uh, we honor our our guests with table talk radio points, okay. uh, but but you do have to earn them. Uh, okay. And so, <laughs> what I want you to do is identify who this is, but then talk about uh, the theology that uh, this person is talking about. But also tell us a little bit about this person, where they are, what what church they're a part of. Uh, but here's your first entry for name that emergent church pastor around the world, based out of some sort of dissatisfaction with church as we know it and need to reinvent it somehow, and need to use the word strip it down. Um, various terms are used, emerging church, emergent church. Is Mars Hill the church that you pastor? Is that an emerging There's church? There's a hint. Uh, we don't ever use that word, um, because in our particular context, unnecessarily creating labels, that may, are you in, are you out, are you one of them or not, seems spirit of Jesus. Uh, we would much rather put out the bread in the cup and take communion together and talk about the Christ who unites us and who wants to heal each of us so that we can be his hands and feet in the world. And so I, I don't really care what of these endless little stripes and labels you wear. Can, can we all do this together? Can we all agree on that? So, so yeah, that's not a word that we would use. Um, I, I do. But how do you feel when it's used the, of you? Um, Would you feel uncomfortable with that tag? Uh, I, yeah. I, yeah. All right. Yeah. But that's just because it's a... That's all the clip that I have. Uh, Chris, you had a pretty good hint at the beginning, but any idea uh, who this could be? Uh, well, it has to be Rob Bell from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mars Hill, uh, Mars Hill uh, fame, of NUMA fame, yes. Okay, now, at the onset of what he says, most Christians probably wouldn't disagree that maybe we should move away from some of these labels, and maybe we, what we should uh, come and commonality with is is what our lord taught about the lord's supper uh, what, what's your response to rob bell here <laughs> well i'm going to avoid the the common lutheran answer to this because uh, his understanding of the lord's supper and what we what we understand the scriptures to teach are, are going to be way worlds apart and i don't think he has any concept of closed communion that's <laughs> that but i don't think that's the interesting story here what i think is the interesting story here 
is this emphasis on unity. The, 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 um, one of the common themes that you see in emergent uh, ways of thinking is this basically getting away from these ideas of believer, non-believer, Christian, non-Christian, they're in, they're out, heretic, orthodox, anything like that. Instead, uh, in, there is a, there is a, it's tacit, but it's, it's just under the surface, universalism. This idea that everybody is already saved, everybody's already in Christ, and therefore we need to get busy with the idea of all of us learning how to see ourselves as united in one in, in, in Jesus, even if we actually believe different religions, even if you're, if the person you're talking about is a Muslim or a Buddhist or a, uh, uh, an Orthodox Jew or, uh, or as somebody who follows Confucius. In the emergent way of thinking, unity is, the, is a critical component of their way of thinking, and it's a unity that's basically um, that des- destroys all boundaries that we would normally see, it, basically using the logical law of non-contradiction. Logical law of non-contradiction basically says, listen, Muslims and, and those who follow the historic Christian faith cannot possibly believe in the same Jesus. The details are very different. Uh, the Muslim Jesus didn't die on the cross for your sins. The, uh, the, the, the Jesus of the New Testament, of the, of the historical biographies, did die on the cross for your sins. Therefore, the Muslims, by rejecting who Christ is and what he's done for them, are not one with us in Christ. They can't possibly be because Scripture has this exclusive talk. Well, they ignore all of the exclusionary talk in Scripture, even Jesus' own exclusionary talk, and have come up with basically unity being some form of a sacrament inside of their theology. All right, this is uh, Table Scraps Live, production of Table Talk Radio. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. Uh, The live call-in program with uh, phone lines are now open, 866-851. Five five two three, or send us an email questions at tabletalkradio.org. Uh, Chris Mike writes in and asks, uh, in the original preface of Matthew Henry's commentary from 1706, the third article begins, the divine revelation is, uh, sorry, that divine revelation is not now to be found nor expected anywhere but in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament. Why then do many pastors preach about their quote-unquote vision? I am sure they have read James 3.1. Do they fear God? If they don't, what does a person do when they encounter these kinds of pastors? Chris? Okay, now this is an interesting question because this isn't uniquely about the emergent church, but there's many people on the fringes of the emergent church that, that follow this. And, but what they're basically doing is they're ha- they, they claim to be getting direct revelation from God for the direction that they're going to take their church. The emergents do something very similar. Um, you know, in, in, in their rejection of the authoritative word of God, uh, they instead replace it with their own notions and their ideas. In, in, in both cases, what you're talking about are people exalting their subjective feelings, their subjective experiences uh, above what God's word says, and that then becomes the measure by which they decide what will be spoken of and what will be said in church. And both of them fall short because God's word reigns supreme, and God's word gets to be the final judge and arbiter regarding any religious truth claims as it pertains to Christianity, Christ, orthodoxy, or anything of the sort. Not your subjective liver shivers, not your visions or dreams or anything like that. And unfortunately, the emergent church is a highly subjective religion that uh, does replace God's word or supplement it with their own subjective creative ideas. All right, and uh, you get 200 points for correctly identifying Rob Bell. Um, now, I understand that uh, you're going to have opportunity to, to go to the stomping ground of, of Rob Bell in just a little bit, huh? Yeah, actually, um, uh, uh, next Saturday I'm going to be uh, speaking at a youth conference in Grand Rapids, and uh, going, Rob Bell is going to be the topic of my three-hour-long discussion uh, regarding the false gospel of uh, Rob Bell and uh, and his uh, uh, new uh, co-teaching pastor, Shane Hips. Now, if someone's in the area, how could they uh, find out about that and get more information? That is a great question. I'm going to have to dig through my emails to give that, you know, <laughs> right, we'll <laughs> give get, that answer. We'll get it during the break. No problem. Well, uh, this uh, next entry for Name That Emergent Church Pastor, I think, uh, is right on the heels of what you were saying uh, about the 
Rob Bell discussion, and here's your next entry. I'm a, I'm a good Muslim. Where do you think I go, Pastor? Where do I go? See, here we go again. Now, you're talking about a place. What happens to my soul when I die? Oh, now, there's a different question. All right. What here happens to my soul when I die? There you go. And I'm not just, you know, you're the guy who wants to be precise about words. That's why you put sentences together like this. The, don't you? When, yes, very much. That's okay, why good. when you put together questions like that All right. and ask them, they don't make any sense. I'm a good Muslim. What happens to my soul when I die? You are. You interact with God just as every other human being interacts with God. You mean Hebrews 9, it is appointed unto man once to die and then judgment? Yeah, right. That's so he gets judged. God. Right, that's interaction with God. Uh-huh. And so what's, yeah. what's going to happen to the... How is God going to judge the good Muslim? God's going to judge the life and repair and restore and heal the life of everybody in the same way. So the There's Muslim is ultimately not going to be, go to a bad place. He's ultimately going to be restored with God when he dies? No, there's going to be no difference between the way God's going to interact with you when you die and the way God's going to interact with a Muslim when a Muslim dies. So I want to I want to put this into my fundamentalist language. What I just heard you say is there is no difference between the Christian and the Muslim afterlife. God is going to have a good place prepared for both no, of us. No, I didn't say a place. See, here you go again. Okay, a good I didn't thing, say a, place. a good What I said event, was the way God's going to interact existence. with you is the same way that God's going to interact with everybody. The same experience of all of humanity. God will ex- will interact with all of humanity in judgment the same, no matter who you are or what your parents have taught you or what you believe. Now, how a person's life translates into the evermore, that's something that for one to sit on a telephone conversation and say about non-existent actual person Muslim as compared to Todd, for me to suggest that I'm going to tell you how God is going to interact with that individual person what the result of that is going to be, is not at all within the bounds of historic Christianity. Wow. Okay, Chris, uh, your entry for Name That Emergent Church Pastor. Well, that's uh, Doug Padgett talking with Todd Friel. Todd Friel's the good guy in, in that conversation, and Doug Padgett, who is the pastor of Solomon's Porch in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, is uh, the emergent guy basically uh, engaging in what sounds to be subterfuge. And you, you've got to understand what's ticking under the hood there is that uh, what you're hearing Doug talk about there is uh, is basically his interpretation of Jürgen Moltmann's uh, theology from his book, A Theology of Hope. And um, I was at an emergent conference in Chicago in the fall of last year uh, and got to hear Jürgen Moltmann try to explain this in rational terms that uh, any human being can understand. And basically... What it boils down to is, is that um, Jürgen Moltmann, in talking about the evermore or Jesus' return, basically makes the claim that when Jesus returns, he's not going to return in chronos time. And when we talk about chronos time, we talk about something like we can say next Thursday, Jesus is going to arrive uh, in Chicago on the, sub- on the 503 subway at the, at the main train station. That will be chronos time. Jürgen Moltmann's theology of hope basically engages in subterfuge, and he claims that Jesus isn't returning in Kronos time, but he's returning in Kairos time. And, uh, and when we talk about Kairos, we, that's the Greek word for season. When we think about seasons, we think about uh, things like spring, summer, winter, and fall, um, but that's not what uh, Jürgen Moltmann's doing. And what he's trying to do is get away with the, get away from this idea that uh, that what we confess in the Nicene Creed, that uh, Jesus will come again with glory to judge the living and the de- dead, and that's going to occur in Kronos time, and we're all going to see it. He denies that, and his basic premise is, is that, uh, not, not necessarily Jürgen Moltmann's, but the way the emergents have taken this, is that our idea of, uh, uh, you know, when we say Paul says, I, I, depart, I, I wish to depart and, and be with the Lord, and or Christ says that He's going to go and prepare a place for us, and uh, that you know, when we talk spatially about heaven, they think that that's some kind of uh, w- bizarre Platonic Greek idea that has been overlaid in Christianity that is foreign to Christian thought, and so they're trying to uh, they're basically en- engaging in theological subterfuge and word games is what it boils down to. Would they believe in hell at all? No. Hmm. So. Uh, what's the point? I mean, why why would I want to go to church at all? Why why would I enter? Why would I darken the doors of their church if they offer nothing, if not heaven? 
Uh, well, they're offering you uh, basically acceptance into an inclusive community of hope uh, where you can, uh, can be a part of God, uh, helping God create his dream for the future. Mm-hmm. Now, there, there are uh, passages as clear as day uh, that refer to hell. Uh, what do they do with these passages? I mean, if you were to bump into one of these um, you know, on the streets or whatever, and you were to say, hey, what about this passage of clearly talking about hell, what, what would be the response you would expect? Um, in, in all reality, they would consider that type of question to be a conversation stopper, <laughs> and uh, they're not interested in, in getting. They basically accuse you of, of inserting your own interpretation on the scripture, and that that what you really need to do is stop taking that verse out of context, stick it back into the narrative, and enjoy the narrative, and stop trying to draw conclusions that shouldn't be drawn. Uh, we are talking with Chris Roseborough. You can give us a call eight six six eight five one. Five five two three, or send us an email questions at tabletalkradio.org uh, we do uh, want to hear from you agree or disagree uh, you can join the conversation now Chris I have to ask you then uh, what's a uh, orthodox confessing Christian to do when talking to the emergent types um, well you're going to have to do some work uh, with epistemology but keep this in mind if you're going to do any kind of apologetics with anybody Apologetics has as its ultimate goal that you take down barriers to preaching the gospel, and you have to have as your first and foremost goal to proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins to uh, the person that you're speaking to in the emergent church. Now, because their their uh, theology is so convoluted and difficult to understand because they embrace what's called irrational philosophy— Basically, they, they hold these paradoxes and, and stick things together that don't go together. You're going to have to basically point out to the, the fact that their theology doesn't work in the real world. When you're crossing the street and you look both ways and you see that there is no big city bus barreling down the highway, then you know that it's okay to cross the street. And then you put your foot out into the crosswalk. But if you see a, a big bus barreling down the street... You'd wait for it to pass because in the real world, uh, buses don't uh, don't exist and not exist at the same time. They're there and they're spatial and they'll run you over. And so what happens is, is in the emergent church, in the, their epistemology gets people to basically hold on to contradictory ideas that you can't hold on to in real life. It doesn't work in the real world, and there's no reason for us to believe that it would work in the kingdom of God. Because when Jesus, in describing the kingdom of God, he constantly is using earthly, understandable uh, parables and metaphors that this, the kingdom of God is like a fishnet. It's like this. It's like that. Jesus is constantly communicating information to us in a way that he expects us to understand. And so Jesus doesn't operate this way. We don't operate that way in the real world. And why on earth should we do what should we think that God requires us to basically believe nonsense? Right. Uh, you are listening to Chris Roseborough, host of the radio program Fighting for the Faith, and uh, this is Evan Gigline on Table Scraps Live. Uh, this is a live radio call-in program, 866-851-5523. I see the phone lines are lighting up. Uh, if you're having a hard time, get in. Keep calling back. We'll, we'll get you on in just a second. We have a break coming up, so we'll get to the phone lines right after this break. Uh, you are listening to Table Scraps Live, but before we go to this break, I want to tell you about something that we're doing on our radio program uh, our regular program, Table Talk Radio, that if you uh, want to be a contestant of one of our great programs, uh, one of our great games, then you can uh, call into our, our voicemail system after, the, uh, after the, the show is over and leave your name and number, and we're going to call you during the recording of our regular show, and you can be a contestant on these games, uh, on these games of, of Table Talk Radio. Everyone's dream to be a, a contestant on Table Talk Radio. Well, you are listening to Table Scraps Live with Chris Roseborough. We're going to go to this break and then come back and hit the phone lines. Uh, 866-851-5523 is the number. Or send us an email, questions at Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Can you tell me? 
You're listening to Table Scraps Live with Evan Gigline. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Evan with Table Talk Radio. Our normal broadcast of Table Talk Radio is a game show. That's right, it's everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show. And we play games like Law and or Gospel, Table Talk Jeopardy, and Which Ladder. Would you like to be a contestant on our regular broadcast of Table Talk Radio? Here's your chance. Give us a call and leave your name and number, and if you want your favorite game, and we will call you during our recording of Table Talk Radio to be the contestant on everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show. Give us a call after this broadcast of Table Scraps Live. It's 866-851-5523. Again, give us a call, leave your name and number, and your favorite game, and we'll give you a call during the recording of our regular broadcast. But don't call until after Table Scraps Live. So the number again is 866-851-5523. Again, that's 866-851-5523. Have you always wanted to say, the other day when I was listening to Table Talk Radio, well, now you can. And if you want to keep saying that, you can find our podcast archive on our website, www.tabletalkradio.org. Everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show, www.tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening. Hi, it's Evan Gigline. It is my pleasure to present to you this production of Table Talk Radio, Table Scraps Live. We would like to hear your feedback on this broadcast. Just send me an email, evan at tabletalkradio.org. Also, this broadcast incurs a few extra charges, so if you would, consider making a donation to Table Talk Radio on our website, tabletalkradio.org. But thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio and Table Scraps Live. Welcome back to Table Scraps Live. I'm your host, Evan Gigline, talking about the emergent church movement with Chris Roseborough, host of Fighting for the Faith and captain of Pirate Christian Radio. We do have a phone line open, 866-851-5523. Saw them ringing earlier, but they are open now. 866-851-5523. Let's go to Frank, who's been waiting for a while. Frank in Illinois, welcome to Table Scraps Live. Hi, gentlemen. How you doing? Good. Doing well. Uh, what my uh, what my question was uh, for Chris was, uh, I spent, you know, uh, over 20-something years in different denominations before uh, coming to confessional Lutheranism recently, and what I'm seeing is I'm almost seeing in the last two places, the last one before uh, I was at last was uh, Pentecostal, and before that was a seeker-sensitive church outside of Willow. Um, and what I'm seeing is emergent theology actually getting its way in the back door and creating almost a hybrid where those concepts are accepted and adopted in some manner throughout the ministries of both of those churches, but you can't really get them to put it on their moniker or website or anything like that, but the essence of it is there. Mm-hmm. Is, this, is this a new hybrid that's happening? Um, this is actually a part of the emergent uh, village strategy, if you would, and uh, what you'll find is, is when, you, uh, when you read emergent authors and talk to them, they that you you get all these interesting hybrids. They'll talk about Luther emergence, uh, Presb emergence. They'll talk about Pentecost emergence. Uh, they'll talk about Meth emergence. So that what they'll do is that anything can be an emergent. You just have to hyphenate it. So you can be a Methodist and emergent. It becomes a Meth emergent. And what they they're basically uh, very actively trying to bring their ideas in the back door of the church through the high school and junior high youth groups. That has been their tar- main target audience, uh, you know, really s- since they first got started. And a lot of people don't realize that, uh, that the book, uh, Generous Orthodoxy, uh, written by uh, Brian McLaren, uh, was originally published by Youth Specialties. It was, a, it was a book, supposedly, that was supposed to be marketed to, brought into, discussed, and, and promoted in seeker-driven youth groups. All right, Frank, uh, is, is, do you have anything else? No, that's it. Thank All right. you. Thank you, Frank. 
All right, Chris, uh, you have now 400 points with uh, the famous game that we're playing. Oh, and by the way, I know where I'm speaking next uh, on Saturday. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tell, tell us that. It's Our Savior Lutheran Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And, and for information about it, it's a youth event, so it's not open to everybody. But uh, I, I do think we're going to be uh, making audio of it available afterwards. But uh, if you have a, a youth who wants to attend it, it's going to uh, the, the church's phone number is area code 616-949-8890. That's area code 616 616- Nine four nine eight eight nine zero, and they're having a youth lock-in uh, on Saturday, and uh, I will be uh, speaking for three hours at their youth lock-in. <laughs> I was gonna say that's why you gotta speak for three hours. It's a lock-in. Are you speak, right. are you, do you but they're this, gonna give them pizza. I think. You know? <laughs> do you have the sl- the time slot from one a.m. to four a.m. or? <laughs> no, they're going to have to get that information from the church. I'm leaving early in the morning on Saturday for Grand Rapids, and so, um, you know, I, I plan on attending, getting there early enough to, uh, you know, set up and finish uh, my slide presentation because the hard part for me is narrowing this down rather than, uh, uh, than talk, you know, trying to figure out how to fill up the time. So three right. hours is barely enough time to, to do this thing justice. Right. Well, if, if you have any experience in going to some of these emergent churches, we want to hear from you especially. You go to the front of the line, 866-851-5523, or you can send us a, an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. Uh, all right, your next, uh, your next entry then for Name That Emergent Church Pastor. Uh, that This uh, could also be called Name That Emergent Church Speaker or Leader. Uh, okay. And so here's your next entry. About every 500 years, there is a huge upheaval, and everything changes. It has been said by far wiser people than I will ever be, that religion is the spirit for which the body, the culture is the body. Or put the other way, the culture is the body in which religion is the spirit. What happens, therefore, every 500 years happens to both the culture and the religion. What Bishop Dwyer is saying, if you will remember college history or maybe high school history with me, let's look quickly at what he's saying. If you go back 500 years from right now, you hit basically 1517. Specifically, you hit October 31st, 1517. You hit what I grew up calling the Reformation and what is now called the Great Reformation. It's called the Great Reformation because what you and I are living in and following Jesus in and forming theology in is now being called the Great Emergence. That does not mean that all of you have to be emergent Christians or even emerging ones. It means that what's happening now in our culture, especially in North America, and in our faith is together the great emergence. Emerging or emergent Christianity is the new form of Christianity that will serve the whole of the great emergence in the same way that Protestantism served the great reformation. All right, Chris, uh, at the 11th century, we had uh, the Great Schism. Uh, 16th century was the Reformation. I guess it's been about, we're about due for another Reformation. Yeah, that's uh, Phyllis Tickle talking oh. about her rummage sale every 500 years, apparently. <laughs> yeah, we got to get rid of our old treasures and bring in some new, and, you know, you get, you get basically rearrange the furniture in Christianity. It's one of the most preposterous things I've ever heard uttered. Um, because if you understand the Protestant Reformation at all, especially uh, from the Lutheran camp, uh, our theologians took great pains to show that we weren't coming up with any unique doctrine, but that the doctrines that we were rebringing out were the very doctrines that were taught not only in the New Testament, but also in the early Christian church and the church fathers. And I would you know, advise somebody, if you don't believe me, go and read Martin Chemnitz's uh, uh, survey on the on the Council of Trent. He has three volumes that he goes through there, and uh, Kem- there is nobody that knows the Church Fathers better than Kenneth knew them. And uh, we have always—it's not about anything new. We we were all about getting back to the roots, getting back to the roots. And so Phyllis is uh, uh, she's uh, she's one of the matronly uh, 
speakers there for the emergent church, but she's as heretical as the rest. <laughs> we are uh, broadcasting to you live this uh, Sunday night. 866 is the number, 866-851-5523, or questions at tabletalkradio.org. Uh she's not she's not a, a pastor of a church though. No, she was a publisher for uh for the vast majority of her life. She you know, working for book houses and stuff like that. And uh she's an author and uh I in fact I I at the C twenty one conference in October in Minneapolis, I uh I, I took a picture with her and if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, I there's you can actually look at my Facebook photos and me and <laughs> Phyllis uh smiling at the camera together. So um yeah. Now, there's some people in Orthodox Christian churches who are saying, um, uh, you know, maybe there's something that we can learn. You know, we, maybe we can, uh, you know, spit out the bones on this, that there's some things that we can learn. Uh, what's your reaction to that? Um, I think there's some truth to that, because i gotta, I got to tell you, not everything the emergents say is completely whacked. In fact, uh, I think some of the best critical and authentic uh, analysis of the problems of the uh, of modern american evangelicalism comes from emergence their ability to pinpoint and communicate uh the significant shallowness and problems that exist in, in today's modern megachurch movement of the, you know and and what's happened to the christian church i think is spot on the problem is is that their cure for it is is toxic poison that will actually kill uh, you know the faith of anybody who takes their it, it basically takes their uh, their medicine. Let's go to Tyrell in Michigan. You're on Table Talk Radio. All right. Hey, thanks, Chris uh, and Table Talk Scratch for taking my call. Um, Chris, I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about the courting of lady relevance by those like Bell and Kimball um, as they embrace like, the, the subterranean kind of subcultural trends. You know, all these things that are cool. Mm-hmm. Um, like Kimball's Vintage Church and and uh, Rob Bell's Appeal to Poetry and some of these kind of uh, subtle beatnik motifs that are kind of popping up here and there in their in their uh, approach to being relevant, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, yeah, that, that good point. Um, if it, I actually interviewed Doug Paget regarding the uh, the origins of the Emergent Church and how it got started, and a lot of people don't realize that it actually came out of. Uh, leadership network, which is one of the sister networks to the Purpose Driven Church Network, as well as the Willow Creek, uh, the Willow Creek Association, and um, the idea behind the Emergent Church was finding a way to quote be missional to the emerging generation. And so, um, in in a lot of ways, what we're seeing in some of the Emergent Church is a very pragmatic approach to reaching a particular market segment. And uh, and their likes and dislikes. Where uh, Rick Warren has Saddleback Sam, who is a who, who is a thirty-something uh, successful guy with a, a wife and two and a half kids, and um, and you know uh, uh, works in a cubicle or, or whatever. That Saddleback Sam, the emergents purposely try to target a completely different market segment. And Dan Kimball, as well as Rob Bell, would fit into that pragmatic approach, where they're basically trying to reach. People who are of a more left-wing, um, artistic, croissant, Starbucks, uh, tattoos, and uh, candles and uh, incense crowd than uh, than Rick Warren. But in, but the thing is, is that they're every bit as pragmatic in how they r- try to reach that market segment as uh, as Rick Warren is. I mean, Grand Rapids has a big liberal uh, population up there. It's, it's no wonder why Rob Bell planted this church where he did. Uh, Santa Cruz, I think, is where um, uh, where uh, Dan Kimball is at. Again, high, high left-leaning leftist uh, liberal uh, population up there, and uh, very activist. And I mean, it, basically, what they're doing is is trying to be relevant to a particular market segment and their and their ideals. All right, Tyrell. Excellent. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for calling in to Table Scraps Live. Uh, 866-851-5523 is the number, or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. All right, got another entry for Chris Roseborough. You're up to 600 Table Talk Radio points. What, where do I redeem these? Well, I'll tell you what, with these Table Talk Radio points, 
with this and about $20, you can buy a shirt on our uh, website, uh, (laughs) (laughs) tabletalkradio.org. Tell you what, I'll swap T-shirts with you. You know, I'll I'll send you a Pirate Christian Radio uh, T-shirt, and you can send me one. Hey, one we'll, of yours in exchange. We'll do it, too. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Pastor Wolfmiller has discovered this little Photoshop program that he has. Now he's been putting our uh, Table Talk Radio logo on, like, Joel Osteen and and uh, all these all these uh, great preachers. And so uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty disturbing to see Joel Osteen preaching there with a Table Talk Radio mug in his hand. Uh, <laughs> but he's enjoying that. Uh, all right, 866-851-5523. Uh, here's your next entry for uh, name that emergent church pastor or teacher. I always had the feeling that we had an alien narrative that we snipped pieces from the Bible and stuck on somebody else's narrative. And so this question really said, asks us to rediscover what the real narrative of the Bible is, the Jewish narrative into which Jesus comes. Now the question the narrative Where's the beginning? Yeah. I think our problem is we have not started with the Jewish story that the Bible starts with. We've started with a story that we actually imported Mm -hmm. from Greek philosophy and Roman politics. I call it the Greco-Roman narrative. Mm -hmm. And I think what we've done is cut and snipped and pasted verses from the Bible around an alien narrative. we got to get our narrative back. Mm -hmm. Now, when I go my family tree, I start with me. (laughs) Well, that's the problem. We're starting with the present and looking back. So uh, what I'm suggesting we've got to do is go back to the beginning and look forward. Um, I I can show you. Yeah, yeah, I'll see. Um, So let's say, um, uh, you know, here is is, uh, Jesus, and then... I don't actually see Jesus. I see Paul's view of Jesus. Yeah. But I don't actually see Paul's view of Jesus. I see Augustine's view of Paul's view of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then I see Aquinas's view of Augustine's view of Paul's. And then I see Luther's view. And then I see, you know, John Wesley's view or John Calvin's view or yeah. Benny Hinn's view yeah. or, uh, you know, whatever. And I look back through this line of sight back to Jesus. And what I'm recommending is that we, that we take... Uh, I'm not recommending we forget all that. No. But I'm recommending... We start at a different place. What if instead we say, here's Jesus. Let's go back and start with Abraham. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the story that unfolds from Abraham? Into that story comes Moses. And into that story comes David. And into that story comes the prophets. And into that story comes John the Baptist. And into that unfolding story comes Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if we try to put Jesus in his native environment, we have a very different vision of Jesus than if we look back at him from starting with ourselves. All right. Any idea? Uh, well, actually, that's a trick question because there's two emergent leaders there. One is Brian McLaren and the other is Spencer Burke of uh, the Ooze fame. So <laughs> yeah. Nothing gets by you. <laughs> All right. Uh, tell us about this narrative that we snipped in some sort of an alien narrative. Is that what's going yeah, on? Yeah. Well, here's the deal. Brian McLaren absolutely is... is on a uh, campaign, if you would, a blitzkrieg to destroy the historic Orthodox Christian faith. And as a result of it, he, he's, you know, he's engaging in what we call deconstruction. And what they're, both of them are talking about is uh, Brian McLaren's theory of the, uh, the Greco-Roman god that, uh, that uh, you know, he names Theos in his new book, A New Kind of Christianity. And so the, here's the idea is, is that we have this overarching understanding that the biblical story talks about the creation of the world, God created it as good, that Adam and Eve rebelled against God by disobeying the one command that they were given after they were uh, tempted by uh, the, the serpent, and as a result of it, man fell into sin. The earth fell into travail, if you would, and as a result of it, uh, we are in need of a Savior. Christ comes... And he lives a sinless and righteous life in our place, dies on the cross for our sins to propitiate God's wrath, uh, to redeem us, to, uh, to, uh, you know, to atone for our sins. And what happens is, is that those who trust in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and repent, the, the, which, by the way, trusting and repenting are, are both gifts of God worked through, the, uh, through his means of grace— that those people will spend an eternity uh, it, it, with God uh, in on a new earth, 
And uh, those who uh, persist in unrepentance and unbelief will uh, spend eternity uh, with uh, the devil and his angels uh, in, in the lake of fire, otherwise known as hell. Well, McLaren hates this idea, and he wants to get around it. So he, doesn't, he says that we're not reading the Bible right, and the, the only way that people came up with this is that, they, that Christians unknowingly created some kind of a, what he calls a Greco-Roman narrative that is an overlay on Scripture that's foreign to Scripture, and it doesn't make any sense. And so he says the fall into sin, you know, we start off with perfection, where that's a Platonic view. The fall into sin and, and our, you know, our living here now, that's an Aristotelian view. And this idea that God is going to send some people to hell, that's actually Greek mythology that's been planted in, into there. And uh, this, it's a misunderstanding. Basically, Zeus... The understanding of Zeus has been put into Christianity. The problem is, is that Platonism, Aristotelianism, and Greek mythology, you can't synthesize the two. And even if there are f former followers of both Plato and Zeus and Aristotle in the Christian faith early on, neither there was no such animal as a Platonic Aristotelian who believed in Zeus. It, it's, just a, it's just a ridiculous concept that he's come up with. All right, we have a little bit of time left with Chris Roseboro. Uh, you can call us, maybe get another caller in, 866-851-5523. Uh, email question for you, Chris. Okay. How, how concerned should I be for the salvation of emergent pastors and teachers, particularly when they twist God's word in the gospel? If this is done, even subtly, are they in danger of hellfire, even if they seem Christian in other ways? Absolutely. Um, read the book of Galatians. Paul, in the opening chapter to the book of Galatians, basically rails against the Galatians because they had bought into a false gospel. And the Apostle Paul himself says, even if we, that would be the apostles, or an angel from heaven, I mean, it kind of covers everything, should, uh, should come to you and preach a gospel other than the one that was already preached, let him be anathema, eternally condemned. And then you have this, these terrifying words in uh, chapter 5 of Galatians where he says to the Judaizers, you who would be justified by the law, you have been alienated from Christ and you have fallen from grace. Now trust me, the Judaizers were moral and upstanding people. The problem is, is that they bought into a false gospel and the, and the, and the scriptures themselves pronounce anathemas against those who preach a gospel that is contrary to the biblical gospel. So when you have an emergent pastor, I don't care how kind he is to the poor. I don't care how much time he spends with the down and out and the outcast. If he's preaching a different gospel, you must treat him as an unbeliever and proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name alone to that man for the sake of his own soul and pray that God grants him repentance. So uh, the Apostle Paul was a bit of a conversation stopper. Yeah, in fact, he, he was never one to be a conversationalist when it came to mis mixing false doctrine. He, in fact, he tells Titus to rebuke those uh, the people who are teaching things that ought not to be taught. He says to rebuke them and rebuke them sharply. You know, you know. So no, Paul was not into this idea that you understand truth in conversation. That was not his uh, mo. All right, I have uh, I think one more entry for you with this. Oh, by the way, because you named both of those leaders. Um, that is a, a thousand table talk radio points you're up to, and I have one more entry for you, and here it is. One of the challenges that we hear a lot of times in the in the kind of pop culture ecclesiological world is you're the emerging church, or you're the emergent church, or you're interested in emergent forms of ministry. But when are you going to emerge? When will you be done emerging? That uh, the the the, the feeling seems to be that emergent is a kind of a no man's land, a, a transition time between what was and what will be. And some of us have argued that no, emergence is actually the state of affairs. That the way that God works in the world and the way that we respond to God with forms of ministry, forms of life and spirituality never reach stasis that they only the only stasis that has ever happened have been false senses of stasis that have after a not too long a time been broken through by theological and uh, uh, methodological innovation 
All right. Any idea? Yeah, that's Tony Jones. Nailed it. Yeah. Uh, good old Tony Jones. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, this is kind of a – consult your Bible. Read the epistle that uh, Jude wrote. And he, he encourages his readers to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. I think uh, the Apostle Jude, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, who, by the way, uh, knew Jesus so intimately, he was his brother. Yeah, um, uh, he, he knows a thing or two about uh, the Christian faith. I wouldn't call I, I, I He probably didn't go to, um, you know, to Yale uh, Seminary or to Harvard uh, Theological but uh, and that probably didn't have an opportunity to meet Brian McLaren and to experience emergence. But yet he tells us to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And he actually warned us of men like Tony Jones, Doug Paget, Brian McLaren, Spencer Burke, Phyllis Tickle. Um, basically, in, in basically, if you look how he relates them to people from the Old Testament, do you hear of Korah's rebellion? Uh, which I think the emergent church, actually, if you read the story of Korah's rebellion, which is in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers, I think you'll see a lot of similarities between the emergent ideas and Korah's rebellion. And, uh, in fact, the, uh, the, the two are to go hand in hand. So read Jude, and then go and read the story of Korah's rebellion, and you'll see how God handles those who uh, want to basically thumb their nose at what he has said, and the fact that God does not... Uh, just allow people to come to him willy-nilly, however they choose. All right, Chris Roseboro is host of the radio program Fighting for the Faith and a captain of PirateChristianRadio.com, the internet uh, radio station for which you're hearing this program. Thank you, Chris, for joining us for this discussion on, uh, for this conversation on the Emergent Church <laughs> this evening. <laughs> you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Table Scraps Live. We do want to hear from you, get your feedback on this. We will uh, get your uh, feedback through our, our voicemail system, 866-851-5523, or send us an email, uh, questions at Table Talk Radio. What do you think? Uh, what has it been uh, your experience with the Emergent Church, and what is it that, that we are to do now? It's really, I think, quite simple that... Those in the emergent church and in any church and even those outside the church, we all have one thing in common. That is that we are, are sinners. That we have sinned against God. And God is a God that is just. But to be a just God, that means he must also demand a punishment when you break his laws. And this is most certainly true, that he does demand punishment. But the gospel of Christ is that this punishment has been paid for. That the, the demands of the law, that the sins which we committed, the offenses that we have against a holy and just God have been paid for by the, by the cross of Christ. And this is the, the message we need to proclaim. Not conversations, not uh, particular uh, groups of, of having a conversation but proclamation that is the gospel of Christ that he has taken the punishment for all sin and that message bestows faith by hearing that word and in which God saves us thank you for listening to Table Scraps Live and thank you for Thomas uh, for screening the calls tune again next time to Table Scraps Live you've been listening to Table Scraps Live on Pirate Christian Radio a production of Table Talk Radio for more information, visit our website, tabletalkradio.org.